0: All right, here we are. Uh, another day in the house of the Lord. Seems like these Sundays keep coming quicker and quicker. We're already halfway through this year. We're going to be the holidays again. We're moving right along. Just as, as time seems to be moving so fast, it ought to be a reminder to us that how important it is for us to do as much as we can to build our relationship with God To be that beacon of light for for everyone else in the world to see what it means to be a true son and daughter of the Lord. And uh, we've been talking this morning that we have a, a lot of issues with health and it can be very, very frustrating. You guys ever get frustrated with the Lord? Come on, be honest. You ever get frustrated with the Lord? Now, we all do, and myself included, and, uh, you know, if people get a, a false idea of, of what a, a pastor represents, even what a Christian represents, that uh, many times that we think that once we accept the Lord, that that's the end of it. Everything's going to get magically better and you take and you see that that the 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 pastor and we think that he is exempt from the troubles of the world that he has some kind of special protection and the fact is that we are all living in the same world and we all have our our challenges we all face temptations we all have troubles in many different forms and it's all with, with purpose. Let's look at the, let's look at the word today. And we're going to be in Matthew 6, verse 24. I'll give you just a second to get there. In Matthew 6 and 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other or else he will hold one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. We're just going to stop right there for a minute. You know, we are at a a constant battle, because we are in the turmoil of being under this earth curse system, of living in a sinful world, and it makes us... Want to do things. We want to gather. We want to have. We want to make sure we have enough. And that is just the opposite. Of what we should be doing. We should be turning to God. God is. He is our master. He is our source. He is to. Provide us. With everything. And we try to. To walk that line. We try to do everything that we can do without consulting him. Try to do everything in our power. We want to do it our way. Be self-made until we can't. And then what do we want to do? We want to jump over and we want to plead with God for him to help us. Him to bail us out. 25. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or shall drink nor for the body for ye put on is life more than meat and the body more than raiment behold the fowls of the air for they do not sow nor they not reap they do not gather in barns yea your heavenly father feedeth them aren't you much better than they 27 by which taking through can cubit into stature And why, through the raiment, consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, even Solomon in all his glory not arrayed like one of these. Therefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field with his day and tomorrow and cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take not what is saying, for what thou shalt I eat, or what shall I drink, or where shall I be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. All these things that we seek each and every day and we are worried about and we're concerned about. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. It's not a surprise. It's not a mystery. He knows. He knows. But for think Seek thee first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thoughts of the morrow, for morrow shall sink through these things of itself, the difficulty of the day and evil thereof. You know, uh, as a pastor, one thing you're going to do is you're going to be criticized. You're gonna be blamed. You're gonna be told how you can do things different. And I have made no, no uh, simplified things anyway about the fact is that I do not fit the typical mold of what you expect to be standing up here talking to you today. I have a different outlook, a different look, a different way of thinking. And I believe that God wanted me here for a purpose because he wanted something different. So the the normal way that we would go about things is, and many people would tell you that salvation is the only thing that we need to be talking about. It's salvation each and every day that you need to weave it and wove it in there. And that's the only thing that matters. Now, before we get too into it, I have to agree that salvation is the very most important thing. If we had to pick one verse out of the whole entire word of God and harp on it, it would be John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So whoever seek him can have everlasting life. Because without that, without salvation, without that start, without that basis, Nothing else that we talk about matters. We have to have that key element. That is the start. That is the foundation. That is the basis. So, yes, it is important. But there is so much more. We have this entire book, the entire Word of God to work with. And we are to build a relationship with God. We are to grow as individuals. We are to seek first the kingdom of heaven. We are to learn all these secrets. We are to be able to receive. We are to be able to use the power that Jesus has given us through that salvation that he has given us. There is so much more to it than simply salvation. Yes, we need to save souls. Souls need to be saved. People need to turn to God. But what do we do after that? There is more. Think about it like this. If salvation is the wedding, after the wedding, after you marry your spouse, do you simply go your separate ways? Do you simply have maybe some simple correspondence a time or two a day like we do with our prayer life? Do we have maybe a a once-a-week meeting? No. It is a day-in, day-out commitment. And we grow together. We battle together. We do everything together. And we become a unit. So many of us, we just get to the salvation point and every being else becomes a ritual or for show and nothing else really matters. It's like... Buying a new car, putting it in the garage, and never driving it again. It doesn't make any sense. So, as I was working on this this, this week, and I'm, I'm asking, I say, Okay, Lord, if salvation is the number one thing, if salvation is the number one unwritten rule, what is the number two unwritten rule? Where do we need to go to from there? And here we are in Matthew. And there is a couple different ways I could have gone. We could have looked at Philippians 4 and uh, 6 and, and some of these other ways that we look at about our worry and doubt. But I like it because we're reading out of the red today. We're looking at the words of Jesus. And he's telling us all these things. And it's a nice little passage. And Jesus is doing what Jesus has done. He's talking in his parables. And he's comparing things to the real world. And he's painting a picture for us. And I think he's making it really clear. We have to leave the worry behind. It was a few weeks ago, we was talking about Paul. And Paul had a problem. Paul had a lot of problems. But there was one that was really bothering him, and he said, he asked God about it. And God said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. We all face our battles. It can be real frustrating at times. You know, uh, a lot of people, they just turn their back on God. They just say, forget it. Because he's not doing what they want him to do. He's not relieving them of the situation. And then yeah, you have to wonder. See, I, I, uh, I'm human, and I face these same frustrations with, with God. God. Except for me, it might be a, a little different spin on it because I spend a great deal of time studying what God's Word says. I'm up here teaching what God's Word says, and I know that it's not Him. So I have to take that excuse off the table. So then the only thing left to look at is, is me. And I have to see okay, well, what am I doing wrong? And a lot of times, we can't seem to find it, you know. And I've listened to uh, other Bible scholars, and they talk about how God will will speak to him, speak to him. You know, sometimes it's in their head, sometimes it's in a dream, and it seems like they get these nice, long, fluid conversations with a lot of detail. And they going to talk about waking up in the middle of the night and writing it all down and having these things or having these, these grand thoughts. You know, and God speaks to us all in many different ways. And some of it might sound a little crazy, and, but it's a, it's a personal experience. Now, the problem that I have with that is that mine sometimes is a little fragmented. We get a, I get a little image Or a few words or a verse. And it just leaves me constantly wanting more. And you have to look at it and you see, okay, well, I have this little fragment. And then you have to to work on it. And it makes me think and it makes me dig into the word and it makes me ponder on it. And it makes me pray even harder. Well, maybe that's the whole idea after all. Because that's where God wants us to get. You know, I was thinking about it one day, and it seems like that I get the most direct communication whenever I am at the peak of aggravation. That frustration. When you're almost to that argumentative point with God. And maybe that's because everything else seems to to fall away and you're focused so much. And you're out of the realm of the tradition and the routine and the day-to-day. And you're focusing so hard on the thing that's driving you so much. They tell us one way to get closer to God is we fast. And it troubles our body. But through that, we're able to to focus more on that conversation. And I think that agitation can work in a very similar way. And... You might be listening to me right now and saying, whoa, you you get agitated with God, you argue with God, and everything is not hunky-dory. Well, yes, because I am human, and I have problems just like everyone else. Sometimes I feel like I have more than everyone else. We can always look, and there's always someone that's in a worse situation. But yes, I get my fair share. And a wide variety. If we want to talk about it, if we want to compare notes, I can go toe-to-toe with most of you. I don't have an exemption because I speak the word of the Lord. I don't have an exemption because I'm standing in a church today teaching. None of us do. We get that idea. We see uh, people like Mr. Olstein down in, in Texas. You know one thing we do is we draw from our own experiences. We like to talk about our own victories, how God has seen us through. We talk about our own trials and tribulations, how God has seen us through and After a while, we tend to recycle these stories. We only have so many. We're talking week after week after week. And we see that success. We see the multiple mega million, 100,000 member church. We see the, the mansion of the house. We see the books, the audiobooks, the videos, the TV programs, the merchandise. We know the face, we know the voice, we know the story. But not so much of the journey. Many times in life, it's It's not fair. We hear the. Some of the stories he tells is is that one of the big difficulties they had was obtaining their center. They have now. All the, the troubles and the legal battles and everything it took to get that. Well, I agree that was challenging. But it was nice to Start. With such a strong foundation that he inherited from his father. That was already up and running and ready to go. And had a, a mega budget and a mega following. And already had TV production in place. And just had to step in and go. And I'm not discrediting that because that was a big shoes to fill. And taking it to the next level. You know, I, I don't want to discredit the work of... Anybody's done, but it's apples and oranges when you're talking about a royal church in the middle of a place that most people's never heard of before in their life, where there's not that many people, and you're starting with basically nothing, and you're trying to fulfill that vision when you're trying to come up to to that level. It can be challenging, and when you're having trouble every step of the way, where nothing seems to, to go right, and God gives you just enough to get through, just enough to make it to the next month and the next and the next, and you're looking at where is the, the ferity and all that and the purpose and all that. It's like we're trying to do your work, God, and we're not seeing the benefit from it. You planted the seed, but yet we're not seeing the watering that we need to make it grow. I work with a lot of older people. And sometimes we get into a situation where your health may dramatically decline. You may be getting around fine and you find yourself disabled, that things have drastically changed for you, but there is always hope that nothing is impossible to God, that He will see you to the next level. He will see you through. He can heal you. And then I said, But why am I like this to start off with? Well, we all can say that. Life isn't fair. Life is hard, life is challenging, but it's also temporary. This is the pre-show to the main event. Heaven is our ultimate goal. This is a stepping stone and a teaching tool. We live in a sinful world. And God knows how we're going to act and how we're going to respond. And what He wants us to be is, is content where we're at. He wants us to be without worry, without doubt, without fear. For the one and only reason that we belong to Him. That our faith is enough. Because through our faith we receive His grace. And that is efficient. So we go back and we look. When we get frustrated, frustrated about the way things are growing, are we operating in faith? Or are we looking at the circumstances? We're looking at the circumstances. We're complaining to God instead of seeking God and saying, what Can I do more? How can I do more? Same thing. We get into our our situation where we're in our our health crisis. And we're looking at it. So we got one of two choices. We can either complain about it. Why am I this way? God, why are you not dealing with this? See, because we expect that we're going to pray about it and we're going to wake up the next day and everything's going to be fine. We want God to work on our timeline and we want God to do it our way. But God wants us to be in Matthew 6. And we're not going to be in Matthew 6 if we don't have a little bit of pressure put to us. If we don't have to constantly seek God. Remember at the beginning of of the service here, we talked about getting closer to God requires a certain level of agitation. Now we get to that point when we're so frustrated. Think about it now. Every time we pray, think about it. Now we have our, our, everything's going good, so we have our our mealy-nealy, we need to bless our family, and we need to do this, and yada, 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 that we do every morning, every night. We bless our meals, and it's the same, it's real real ritualistic, but then we have, when we have a problem, and that's when we start pouring on the passion, and we start really digging in. I can remember times laying flat on the floor down here by the altar, just thinking if I can get just a little bit lower, maybe God will hear me a little bit better. If I can just get a little bit lower. If I can just get down a little closer to the floor. If I can just be a little more humble, then I can just have him hear me a little better. True story. But the fact is God hears us. He knows. But that, wasn't a, that wasn't a God problem. That was a me problem. That was a lack of faith problem. Because I'm trying to do everything to show God. To make sure that God hears. To make sure that God knows what I'm going through when he already knows. He knows we need the food. We know we need the drink. He knows we need to be clothed. He knows these things. But he wants us to live like the birds. Fact of the matter is, you pray to feel better and you wake up feeling better the next day. How much praise is God going to get? Maybe none, maybe the next day, but the fact is, it, it is going to slip your mind. The way that we get to the level that we don't have fear, think about. Shipwrecked Paul. Think about Paul in the prison. Think about Peter in the prison. These guys didn't worry about their circumstances because they had faith. They knew that God was going to see them through. That's where God wants to get us. We look at Jesus' ministry. Every time they turned around the, His disciples, they were trying to do something. People, this is an example for all of us. This is why God's got this stuff here. It's an example for us. It is mirroring our life right now. Trying to do right by God. Trying to be a, a good disciple. Trying to do all these things and what happens? Fear pops up. And we shrink down. That demon shows up. Whoo, That's scary. Jesus, the demon showed up. He came right up out of that guy. He scared the crap out of me. What are we going to do? And Jesus says, Little faith. And he shows us. Come on up out of there. Who are you? You have to listen to me. Because I'm Jesus. For that same power... I've given to you. But you're not using it because you don't believe it. You don't have the faith to activate it. Peter's going along. He's walking on the water. And then all of a sudden, wait a second, I'm walking on water in a storm. And what does he do? He falls in the water. And we stand up and, you know, we talk to ourselves in the mirror. We build ourselves up in our head and. And, uh, you know, Peter's big talk and, Lord, I'd never, I'd never deny you. But he did it not once, not twice, but three times because that fear kicked in. Fear is a tool of the devil. Worry is a tool of the devil. Doubt is a tool of the devil. Satan uses all these things to take our eyes off God. And when we do, we fall. We can't concentrate on where we need to be. God wants us to build up the layers. So when it takes us a journey to overcome something, when we have to wait and we have to think about it. well, Tom Petty had a song called Waiting is the Hardest Part. And it really is. Because we we doubt and we dread. You know, we have a, a situation coming up we have to deal with, we have an appointment coming up we have to deal with. There's something in the future, a future problem or situation. So we sit there and we think about what is all the possible outcomes? What is all the negative outcomes? And many times, many, many times, it's not near as bad if we've already made it in our minds. We do the same thing, too, with with good things. We get thinking about what a trip's going to be like or what a new item we're going to get's going to be like. Many times they tell us that you shouldn't meet your heroes. We see, whether it be an athlete or a, a movie star... And we see that the, the character that they play and we think, wow, that would just be a great person to hang out with. And many times when you meet the actual person, it's a big difference than who they portray in, in, in the movies or who the, what the real person is, what the public sees. And oftentimes we're, we're disappointed because we, we build things up so much in our minds we get a false sense of of everything we already talk about what we think about about our our religious leaders in politics we blindly follow and go along with these people they we said well they've been doing it so long they were the ones that were elected and we, we look at all the things they do and we have these party lines where people agree with other people based on their political affiliations and what they're promoting what they're wanting is absolute garbage number one it doesn't go along with God It doesn't follow what he says. It doesn't make biblical sense and it doesn't even make common sense. But we blindly follow. The latest and greatest celebrity will come out and make a statement and we praise and hang on every word. We buy every product they put out with just because of who they are. But God, we push away. I was reading a a news article, and um, it was talking about uh, a young girl that passed away tragically and the situation that led up to it. And the, the mother had made a statement that she had went on to be with God. Well, that was nice, except for one thing. They edited the word God. They literally took out the O and replaced it with a dash like you would a piece of profanity. And we don't think that Satan is alive and well today. That we can't even publicly speak without being censored when it comes to God. Another thing my wife was telling me about that about the, a lady had rode in and was talking about how she had had a unpleasant experience with a, a stranger in a parking lot that she had been approached by the way she was dressed and the lady was very rude and mean and called her some names and used scripture to to back up her actions. Well, first of all, she was taking the scripture very much out of context and very much trying to use the word of God to push her own beliefs instead of actual truth, which happens many times. And second of all, Jesus was able to use the Word of God like the sword it is, but not bringing any of the world into it, not bringing Satan into it, not bringing ill manner into it, just strictly by delivering the truth. And if you've got to be mean and nasty and defensive, you're not teaching the Word of God. You're pushing your own personal agenda and trying to use the Word of God with it. But that's what the world we live in today. And we have to know for ourselves what the Word of God says. We got to put some effort into it. With everything we do, we have to put effort into it. We want to be healed. We want to get around. We want to move. Okay, what can I do? And more importantly, Lord, what can I do? We ask God to fix the situation. We never ask God to help me fix the situation. God wants to work with us. God wants to not feed us for a meal. He wants to feed us for our lifetime. He wants to take us above and beyond. And we're we're worried about two different things. Many times we're praying and we're wanting to fix our discomfort at the moment. Where God's wanting to fix us for a lifetime. That for him, the suffering that we go through is worth it because of the end result. But we have to adapt, change, rely on him and be strong. Push away all the negativity, all the doubt, all the fear. Rely on God to get us to that point. He's setting us up to step up. But we have to make that first step. We can look up from the bottom. That staircase may look tall and winding and steep. But he's going to get us up there. But we have to make that first step. Have to make that first step. And that's the challenge. You ever... Seeing someone that's in the the peak of physical shape. Someone that spends a lot of time at the gym. Maybe a bodybuilder. Maybe a model. Someone that just is in peak physical shape. A body of perfection. Have you ever looked at someone like that and said, Wow, you know, I wish I looked more like that. Do you uh, ever watch, you know some kind of a a sporting event, and we see athleticism, we see American Ninja Warrior, we see people doing amazing things. You ever say, I wish that I could be more like that. Now, Granted, we may not be able to be at a peak performance level. We're all at different stages in our lives. We're at different conditions, and we have different things to have to deal with. But we all can be better. And the thing is, what does it take to get to that point? Because we see that end result. And we always want to jump to the end. We want to be able to run that marathon. We want to be able to climb that wall. We want to be able to do all these things. But what we forget about, what we don't realize, what we don't see, what we ignore, is the steps it takes to get there. How many hours of training, how many hours in the gym, the discipline of a diet. And see, when we start talking about all those things, then it's like, well, is it really worth it? Do I really want to give up what I'm doing now? Do I want to exercise or do I want to watch TV? Do I want to eat a salad or do I want to eat chips? I said, we have to make those choices. We have to make those positive choices. And God knows these things. God knows if we're not challenged, we're not going to push ourselves. That we have to do more. And he's there for us. He's our backup. But he's not going to just simply Hand it to us. Because if we're not doing well now with what we have, if we have more, we're just not going to do well with more. And whatever that situation is. Sometimes we have to make tough choices. We have to do things that are not not pleasing to the situation, to our feelings. And many times we just want to to feel better. But the thing of it is, once we get through one situation, another one is going to pop up. And another one's going to pop up and another one's going to pop up. And we are going to constantly be dealing with challenges for our eternity here on earth. But if we partner with God, if we can get to the state where God is our source, God is our peace. That is our goal. Because it doesn't matter what the situation is, what's in front of us, we can rely on him. He can cover us in our peace. And that is our second unwritten rule. Seek salvation and to find that peace.